championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com. Your home for everything Lakers. This is the LakersNation.com live off-season show. If you're listening to the podcast version of this, great. Thank you. Make sure you do rate, review, and subscribe over on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. But if you are watching this and you're on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, Facebook, on Twitter, any of those places, you can comment live and we'll read some of them and react to some of them. And if you want to make sure that your question gets read, as long as it's not something ridiculous, all you got to do is send it in the form of a super chat over on YouTube. And again, make sure you guys are subscribed to the LakersNation.com YouTube channel. We are almost at 400,000 subscribers there. And I'm just blown away at that fact. We're almost at 400,000. We're right there. So if you guys could do us a favor, make sure you do go and subscribe over on the LakersNation.com YouTube channel. Joining me tonight it's Matt, the Optimist Peralta. Matt, how are you doing, man? Are you ready? We've got a big fantasy football weekend this uh, coming up here, don't we? Man, we sure do. Uh, yesterday was a good game. A lot of fantasy points to be had, surprisingly. Uh, but I know we're here to talk about Lakers basketball, so I'm super excited. Uh, media day on the 28th, mm-hmm. so we're inching ever so closer to it. And then we'll get training camp and actual games, and then the live offseason show will become the post-game shows again. And I'm super psyched to be doing that. That's those again. right. October 3rd is going to be that first preseason game. Like you said, I, I can't wait for that, to be able to break down the games, all the action that's going to be taking place. going to be so much fun. I've got some people that are asking stuff. And again, guys, if you're going to send a question in Super Chat, just make sure it's something that is not ridiculous, and then you'll get your question read. That's the way that you do it. All right, so let's get into this. I already have a question. Somebody asking, Brett Bowden from Facebook said, why Cam Oliver and not James Ennis? So I've actually been getting that question a lot. Cam Oliver, it came out yesterday. The Lakers were going to be signing him. I released a video today on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel all about what Cam Oliver can bring to the Lakers, and I had some people upset that the Lakers signed him over James Ennis. And that is not the way this went down, and that's not how this works. Cam Oliver almost certainly will not be taking up the 14th and what we think for now is going to be final roster spot for the Lakers. He's on an Exhibit 10 contract. And what that essentially does is it carves out that path for him to play for the South Bay Lakers. He will come to training camp with the Lakers, and who knows? Maybe he impresses. Maybe they love him so much, they say, you know what? We're giving you a full roster spot. Cam Oliver, come on down. It could happen, but it's rare. Usually what happens here with an Exhibit 10 deal, player gets cut in training camp, they go sign with the South Bay Lakers, and the reason why an Exhibit 10 contract is different is because there's a clause in that clause in there that allows them to get extra money. It's about $50,000, if they stay with the South Bay Lakers for a couple of months after getting cut by the Lakers. So for the Lakers side, you're incentivizing the player to not go take a job overseas or something like that, not to go play in a foreign league, and instead to stay in their system and continue develop their development within the Lakers organization, but playing for the South Bay Lakers. So that's probably the, thing, the way things are going to go here with Cam Oliver. So Matt, I know we talked about it a little before we came on the air, I'm pretty excited, though, even though I know he's not expected to make a major impact. He's expected to be with the South Bay Lakers. I still think his skill set is one where if you develop this guy, you develop Cam Oliver, he can become something down the road for you. 
Yeah, he is an undrafted free agent from 2017, went undrafted, obviously, spent some time with the Houston Rockets last season. That's really his only taste of NBA action. But he's an intriguing name. You know, I'm surprised that the Lakers were able to sign him to an Exhibit 10 deal. Um, so I'm pretty excited about it. It's these kind of marginal moves that could pay dividends down the road here. It's such a low-cost risk here for the Lakers to sign him to an Exhibit 10 deal. Uh, probably going to cut him and then he'll end up at South Bay where he'll continue development like you mentioned there. He's worth the flyer. He's an undersized five, probably a four that can space the floor a little bit, can rebound too. So there's an intriguing skill set there. There's, you can see the archetype or mold of player that he could become with some time, some development, some seasoning. Um, and so I'm excited to see what if he can turn into anything really. But um, like you said, it doesn't um, take away the Lakers from any other free agents that we've popularly listed, James Ennis, mm-hmm. et cetera. So you know, don't be don't be alarmed. Don't be sad. Cam Oliver doesn't uh, take away James Ennis from the Lakers. That's still very much a possibility. Or my guy, Wes Matthews, who still That's remains right. unsigned as well. Uh, Got to throw him in there as well. So, yeah, it's an Exhibit 10 deal. He'll be in training camp, but it's very, very far-fetched that he actually makes the parent team. I think he's an interesting battle, or at least an interesting comparison between him and Chondi Brown because they can play sort of a similar sure. role. So I'm really interested to see how those two look and how they battle it out. Does one kind of, you know, get a little bit of a jump on the other one? That's what I'm going to be looking for uh, throughout training camp and into the preseason and all of that. And again, most likely both of them wind up playing for the South Bay Lakers, but with each of them, you're trying to to kind of put together, I guess, John D is more of a three, four, whereas, uh, whereas Cam Oliver is a bit more of a four, maybe five. Four, I mean, he does block ish. shots. Um, it definitely would be a, a super small five, but I still think it's going to be interesting to compare and contrast those two guys in terms of what they bring. Their skill sets can be somewhat similar. Yeah, we should probably mention that, but South Bay's got a pretty intriguing squad this year. Um, you know, Austin Reeves, Ayayi, Mac McClung, who also, Mac McClung and Sean D. Brown, who have signed deals with the Lakers for training camp. Uh, now Cam Oliver. So, you know, this is going to be an interesting group. Um, you know, if there's not a Laker game on and you're trying to find some basketball, South Bay might be the thing to do. All right, I've got Kevin Del Rosario from YouTube with a super chat. Thank you. Said, who do you think? are the biggest threats to the Lakers in the West. Now, Matt, I actually did a video on mm. this topic just the other day on the LakersNation.com YouTube channel. So my thoughts are kind of already out there in terms of who I think the biggest threats for the Lakers are this year. Who do you have as the biggest threats to the Lakers in the Western Conference? So forget about the Nets, forget about the Bucks. Just in the West, who is the biggest roadblock to the Lakers getting to the Western Conference or, or through the Western Conference and into the NBA Finals? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and go with the Golden State Warriors. Um, Stephen Curry, Draymond Green, hopefully a healthy play Thompson this time around, plus some nice depth pieces and some younger guys. I think, you know, they have the records and star talent, chemistry, uh, longevity as a group to challenge the Lakers. We saw it in the play-in tournament where they played them pretty tough. The Lakers barely won that. Um, and, you know, if we have a healthy uh, Warrior squad who's motivated, trying to get back to the top here, I think they have the top-end talent to do it. So, you know, I'm going to pick the Warriors here. I know a lot of people might think it might be the Suns, but, you know, I think there was a little bit of, you know, shortened off-season continuity, uh, the Chris Paul effect, et cetera. There was just a lot of things last season that I think, you know, helped the Suns. But I think if we're talking a more regular season, I have to go with the Warriors for yeah, that. I've had a lot of people that have said there is no threat to the Lakers in the West. And on one hand, like, <laughs> I admire the bravado and all that and, and the confidence and everything. But if that's what we're heading into the season with, you're kind of setting yourself up for not only disappointment, but you're also delegitimizing the the journey, right? The path to get there. If you say, oh, there's no one that can even come close to the Lakers in the entire Western Conference. Now, on paper, again, the Lakers have a great team. 
But I think there are some teams in the West that can be a threat. I think you've got a couple of teams that are not healthy, the Clippers and the Denver Nuggets specifically. That would be my top two. If they were healthy, that would be my top two threats in the West to the Lakers. It would be the Clippers, and it would be the Denver Nuggets. But they're not. They're not healthy. We don't know if Jamal Murray's going to come back and be the same that he was. It's probably going to be April at the earliest that he's back. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, will he be back this season? We don't know. We're going to talk about the Clippers in just a minute. But um, (laughs) for now... The teams that I put in the tier just below the Lakers, I've got the Lakers in the tier by themselves at the top of the West. I've got, like you mentioned, I've got the Warriors, I've got the Suns, and I've got the Utah Jazz. And I have the Warriors as the team, the one team that I think could jump into the Lakers tier, and that's if they pull a trade. I think they've got the pieces to make a a deal work. You get a healthy Klay Thompson back, you pull off a trade, send out James Wiseman, (laughs) yes, something like that, right? Andrew Wiggins' contract, you've got some of those draft picks too, Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, package together some of that stuff. And you go against somebody, that's where the Warriors could make the leap up. So I'm not saying the Warriors right now. I'm saying the Warriors down the road, you get back a healthy clay, you pull a trade for some win-now pieces, that's where the Warriors could make that leap and jump up into the Lakers tier. That's exactly my thinking as well. They've got some flexibility. They have moves to make. You know, I don't think they're going to just sit here, especially if we get through halfway through the season and there's a legit shot for them to, you know, vault into the Lakers tier here. I think they pull it. Um, it'd be a disservice, right, to not chase a title when you still have Draymond, Clay, and Steph. So I can definitely see the Warriors being aggressive. Um, and the reason why I left Utah off my list was just because, again, like they're kind of running back the same team. And I think at this point, when you get to the playoffs, and I've been saying this for a while now, like they are a great regular season team. That's not to take away anything from them. But when you get to the playoffs, you just need to be a more versatile squad. You need to be able to play a lot of different styles. Um, you know, the Jazz play a really beautiful brand of basketball with ball movement, spacing, etc. But, you know, teams can figure that out or they can adjust. Um, and you know as far as the Utah Jazz roster construction goes they don't have a lot of options to mix and match like teams like the Lakers do so that's kind of why I left them off their list but I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Utah have the best regular season record next year. Agreed agreed I think they're going to care more about getting the one seed than the Lakers will I I just think that's the way it's going to play out because the Lakers they've got veterans they're not worried about winning games right now they're worried about winning games in June that's what they're concerned about so I don't think we're going to see the Lakers push that hard for the one seed I think it'll be kind of similar to the title year where in the 2019-2020 season, where the Lakers also didn't really care about getting the one seed. It just kind of fell in their laps, and they found themselves in a situation where they (laughs) went, well, if it's right here, we might as well go get it. But it wasn't like their primary goal heading into the season. I think we're going to see that same kind of mentality this year. Yeah, this Lakers team is a 16-game uh squad it's not an 82 game one so if you know you get frustrated throughout the regular season which we probably inevitably will just remember that this team is playing for june not for april absolutely all right let's talk about it matt the clippers (laughs) see all i have to say is the clippers and you're already laughing sorry (laughs) no well i'm just thinking of the quiet oh god did you see that that was right wow yeah exactly that's why i'm laughing wow (laughs) um so they're they are they're building an arena They're building an arena, which I know for Lakers fans, they don't care that the Clippers are building an arena. They only care that they're building it in the wrong place because it should be in Seattle. It should be in San Diego. It should be somewhere else, not in Los Angeles, Las Vegas, wherever. Just go somewhere else, right? Just go somewhere else that's not Los Angeles. I think that's all that Lakers fans care about uh, as far as the Clippers go. But they're building a new arena. Obviously, they're planning to stay in Los Angeles, which we always knew was going to be the case. Just simply too much money to be made in LA versus going anywhere else. Steve Ballmer had some comments today about 
the Lakers. I am basically said that they're going to be good from here on out. And look, credit to the Clippers. They've turned things around quite a bit. They have changed the way their franchise operates, and they have been much, much better. But again, this is the, the franchise that hangs Pacific Division banners. Not even Western Conference, Pacific Division banners. They hang, and they hang those, yes, and, uh, and selfies. But here's the quote from, from Steve Ballmer today that I take a little bit of exception to here. He said, uh, there's 30 teams in the league, there's 29 others, and we got one that happens to be based in L.A., and we got our fans dozens of them sorry that's that's me not bomber by the way uh we use our expression (laughs) la our way it's ridiculous and we're building our own presence identity and if the other guys feel a little threatened the other guys fans i mean the players are actually a little different deal but if they feel a little threatened that's okay it means we're doing good i feel like he is misunderstanding this situation and he's trying to pat himself on the back by using the word threatened because it makes it sound as though they are the aggressors in the situation, as though they are the disruptor here or something like that. And I don't feel like that's the right choice of words to use. I, to me, threatened does not fit this scenario. Man, I'm going to tell you right now, I couldn't care less that the Clippers have their own arena. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't. Like... Why, why am I threatened? Like, you're going to have a, a nice arena with all the, you know, bells and whistles and, you know, you'll, you don't have to play in Staples yeah. anymore. Like, sure. Like, that's cool. Like, I don't know why you have to, like, throw the Lakers fans under the bus here. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I just genuinely don't care. Like, um, you know, Arash McCarthy posted that video with Clipper Daryl saying he's not going to miss Staples Center. And I had a quote tweeted and say, I don't blame him for not missing it because he has nothing to look at in there. There's no titles. Yeah. There's no retired jerseys. You've got, like, what, one Pacific Division banner in there? Like, I don't blame them. Like, Staples Center is very much a Lakers arena. Like, you guys just share space. You're, like, the little brother that has to share. I have to share well, with. That's you know? it exactly. That's what is. It's not It's not that the Lakers feel threatened by or Lakers fans feel threatened by. It's an annoyance. That's what it yeah. is. It's an annoyance. It's a younger sibling that you're having to share a room with. Right? That's a great analogy. Um feeling threatened it's it's like if let's say you had a really nice steakhouse let's say it's it's ruth chris or it's ocean prime or something like that and a mcdonald's gets built next door and that mcdonald's the drive-through line gets into the ruth chris parking lot right does the ruth chris feel threatened by the mcdonald's no is it a little bit annoying that their drive-through is is backing up into their into the, the steakhouse's territory sure that's the situation here right the lakers are not threatened by the clippers lakers fans are not threatened by the clippers but the clippers want to present it as though they're this threat to the lakers and the threat to los angeles and we're forging our own identity which is i mean the hypocrisy it just amazes me because the clippers the identity that they're forging la our way grit and grind over glitz and glamour and street lights over spotlights and all this kind of stuff everything that was in their marketing it was all about comparing themselves to the Lakers and trying to set themselves up as the anti-Lakers. Their whole identity is dependent upon being not the Lakers. That's that's not forging your own real, true identity as an individual team. You are still linked to the team that has overshadowed you since the moment you set foot in Los Angeles. I don't know. It It makes no sense. <laughs> 
I, I don't know, man. Like, I guess just that's the way to get the Clippers uh, SEO when you put them in the <laughs> Lakers, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's a good way to get clicks. Just throw your name with the Lakers, right? Um, I don't know. Like, I don't blame them for doing it. Like, if I was a Clippers fan, I'd be pretty annoyed that I have to hear about the Lakers all the time when it comes to Los Angeles and basketball. So I get it from that perspective. And, you know, Bomber's doing what he needs to do to order to separate them. He's literally moving the Clippers out of Staples Center. Um, but like what you said, like, it really is just more annoying at this point. It's not like I feel threatened at all by them. Like, I respect them as a team. I think they've turned it around. They're not a laughing stock anymore as far as, you know, a basketball yeah. product. But it's just like all the extracurricular stuff, all the off-court stuff with them that's really like, you know, the only thing I have against them at this point. Like, I think after, you know, that 2020 playoffs where they got wrecked in the second round and, you know, dropped a 3-1 lead, like, I, I just have nothing else to make fun of them for. Like, I don't think it gets any worse than that. So, you know, they can have their arena. They can celebrate there. We don't have to share it with them anymore. That's great for me. If anything, I'm happy, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I don't have to worry about the Clippers being in Staples Center Or covering anymore. up their so, banners or any of that. Yeah, like, come on. That's so ridiculous. Like, I, I don't know. I have nothing. You know, Steve Ballmer can say what he wants. I think it's just to rile up Lakers fans here. But I don't feel threatened. I'm not jealous. Like, I, I just, I don't care. I've got people in our chat are calling them the McClippers now. I like I like that. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I like that. Well done. Uh, you know, if the Clippers really want to like separate themselves, I feel like they should just rebrand entirely and just change the team name. Uh, yeah. I mean, I thought that was gonna what was gonna happen when Bomber took over. I thought they were going to take that opportunity to rebrand the team because, like, Clippers, it's a ship. I mean. It, kind of makes sense in in la but yeah i guess you know the lakers that doesn't really make sense in, in LA the lakers either, but, don't make sense but yeah i mean i thought they would have rebranded or something like that but instead they didn't they stuck with with clippers again they make a lot of sense somewhere else as a team go to seattle go wherever right go to vegas but just too much money there's too much money in la if there wasn't that much money in la i'm pretty sure the clippers would have gone somewhere else Oh, for sure. Staying in LA is a good business move. It's just not a good move when you have a whole fan base here that's has generations yeah. of fans for it. So, um, a lot of people, a lot of people chiming in with McClippers now. So you gotta love that. Let's make it a Let's thing. Let's make year, it a guys. thing. Let's make it a thing. All right. In fact, I'm sure somebody out there that's pretty good with graphics and stuff could somehow incorporate the logo. I'm getting these ideas in my head now, and we're. We're oh, going to go down a do winding it. road now. Uh, I've got somebody here from YouTube, Bori, from YouTube, YouTube said, stop the 80 at the 5 nonsense. It's not happening. Okay. I don't know, so man. So here's the thing. Like, I get comments like this sometimes, right, that are, that are put out there. I've got people saying, stop pushing this narrative. Stop saying this. It's not going to happen or whatever because they don't like whatever it is that I'm saying, whether it's, you know, LeBron could log some minutes at center or whatever. Here's the thing, though. We never make anything up. That's not that's not what we do. And there's, look, there's some channels that do that, that just blatantly make something up because it sounds good to try and get clicks. We don't put anything out there that is not sourced. Now, sometimes rumors don't come true, and that happens. And we'll discuss them, though. We'll break down exactly what's happened. But here at Lakers Nation, we never just make something up. We don't just pull something out of thin air, right? We're taking something that's sourced. So it's not me saying, oh, Anthony Davis at the five. It's us explaining why that might happen and what kind of smoke there is around this. Because now we've got a couple of things. We've got Jake Fisher Bleacher Report, who's been 
pretty on the ball this offseason. He killed it this offseason in terms of getting what was going down behind the scenes. He's got a report out about Anthony Davis playing the five. And don't forget as well, I believe it was Eric Pincus. I could be, there were a couple of reports that came out at the same time, but I believe this was in the Pincus one right after the Russell Westbrook trade saying that AD and LeBron had volunteered to accommodate Westbrook to move to the four and the five respectively. So that is correct. You've got a couple of things here now pointing to Anthony Davis playing center. Okay. And again, that's not me saying that's going to happen. That's let's look at some of the sources that are out there that are saying this could be a real thing. And Matt, I got to tell you, I'm not opposed to it. I'm worried about Anthony Davis. I'm worried about his longevity, right? His ability to hold up playing the center position long-term. But when I look at this roster, it's kind of built for Anthony Davis to be the center. Like if we look at Dwight and DeAndre, it changes the whole equation. If Dwight and DeAndre Jordan are the backup centers to Anthony Davis, that changes a lot about how we look at this team. It sure does. Um, There is a lot and a lot and a lot of smoke pointing to Anthony Davis at center. And, you know, here's the thing, though. We haven't really clarified, you know, or we haven't really said, you know, whether or not we think it's a full time move. But, you know, in my mind, I think, you know, he probably starts at five at best and then, you know, probably plays power forward throughout the night where he still gets time next to one of those bigs. But I think we are going to see, you know, Anthony Davis at five way more often than we normally have throughout the regular season. Because, you know, come playoff time, it's basically him exclusively Mm -hmm. there. Right. Uh, But I think, you know, for this current roster throughout the regular season, I think you'll see him more playing center. Uh, How much of it, though? You know, that's kind of the question right now. We don't really know. Uh, When they signed DeAndre Jordan to pair him with Dwight Howard, we thought, oh, here we go again. The Lakers are going to run two traditional bigs to start the game. But if Anthony Davis just outright starts at five, LeBron at four, you get some interesting roster combinations and lineups now. Um, you know, because we've been debating, you know, who's going to start at two, Wayne Ellington, Kent Bazemore, you know, someone else. Uh, you know, if Anthony Davis starts at five, you can probably just yeah. start both of them. You can outright. have both of them on the floor. And that's, uh, that's what I keep going to. Um, and here's right? the other thing, yeah. like, who's to say that, you know, okay, we're worried about Anthony Davis, him holding up to the physical toll, playing center. Why can't he start in the games where you're playing a weaker center, like opening night, Golden State? Start yeah. him at the center position. And then when you're playing the more physical, like you're playing uh, Jokic, right? You're playing somebody like that, Joel Embiid or whoever, right? You limit the minutes that he's going to play at the center. Instead, you maybe you start Dwight. Maybe you start DeAndre Jordan. But the games where you're playing up against guys that aren't that dominant physical presence, you start him at center. There's no, You don't have to say, this is our starting lineup and that's it every single game. You can adjust as you go through based on matchups. Yeah, you know, this is a fun exercise when you have time, but just go through the other 29 teams and list out what center or projected starting center they have. If you go through that list, you'll find out really quickly there aren't a lot of centers that are going to, you know, supposedly hurt AD when he's at five. You know what I mean? Who would you not Um, want him to go against? Let's let's go through it. I mean, I think it... I I honestly think it's the two you named. I wouldn't want him starting out on Jokic and Embiid uh, right off the bat. Um, you know, I think for a team against Milwaukee, you know, that might be one where you, you mm-hmm. might want an extra big. Um, but see, two out of those three teams I just named are Eastern Conference teams that you're only going to see twice. If I'm talking just strictly the Western Conference, like there aren't a lot of guys. I think I might be only thinking what about, Jokic. like maybe DeAndre Valanciunas, Nurkic. Would you would you worry about either one of those? No, okay. not really. 
Yeah, because I don't see that. I I know like they you know they have reputations as like you know uh, uh, bangers right. down low like post players etc. But you know I I think throughout I don't but they don't play enough minutes I think for the, to warrant like you know preserving AD. You know, because when we talk Embiid, we talk Jokic, they're playing 35 plus a night. Uh, that would be pretty difficult, I think. But if we're talking just, you know, other centers in the league, I, I think it'd be OK. I don't think you have to, you know, a baby him throughout the entire regular season like yeah. that. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think that what you're going to get, you're going to get AD with an easier path to the rim. All right. We've talked about the most effective AD is the Anthony Davis that drives. So on offense, this makes so much sense, right? Because we saw AD, it was like. The gloves came off when Andre Drummond went off the floor, when yeah. that big was not on the floor with him. Suddenly, he's able to get to the basket, and there's not another dude standing there waiting. The opposing center's not standing there waiting for him, right? But then think about Russell Westbrook. Go back to the, his Houston Rockets yep. days. The Rockets got rid of Clint Capella in part to open things up for Westbrook because when you have the floor spread and there's no center sitting there at the basket waiting for him, he can t- beat his man one-on-one anytime he wants and get to the rim. So you're going to get a better Westbrook when you do that too, when you've got AD pulling people out to the perimeter, when you've got LeBron at the four pulling guys out. So offensively, it makes sense. You're going to be incredibly switchy on defense. If you've got Ellington, you've got Bazemore, think about getting in transition. You've got guys running to the three-point line. I'm kind of excited. Like the more I think about this, the more I lean towards this being the path forward. And then you just select specific games that you don't start them at center. But most of the time you start him there, you play the bulk of his minutes there and you let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, I've got two points here. One, I feel like Anthony Davis starting outright at the five would be good reps throughout the year. Just so when they get to the playoffs, they already have a handle on what those rotations and what that lineup's mm-hmm. going to look like. Um, because, you know, God forbid the Lakers have another season where they only get like 18 practices <laughs> yes. throughout the year. Uh, that was just a mess. So, you know, in-game reps where Anthony Davis is just at the five and, you know, because they're, they're going to be working in a lot of new guys. Kent Bazemore, Wayne Ellington are new, Kendrick Nunn, etc. I can go throughout the whole list, right? Um, there's going to be a lot of, you know, tinkering that has to be done and a lot of figuring each other out. So I, that's why I would probably prefer it. But my second point here is that, and we said this on the last live show, if things make too much sense for the Lakers, they're probably <laughs> right. going to zig. They do tend to do that. And so that's where you do wonder, like, what exactly what it's going to look like. And again, you can still bring in Dwight. You could still, I've got somebody saying, wouldn't they be weak? Uh, on their inside defense. Well, look, if you wind up in a scenario where you're giving up too many points at the rim, okay, hey, Dwight, come on in, right? Like, the, you can make those adjustments on the fly. It doesn't mean you're set in stone that this is what we're going to do. Uh, Joe McNeil from YouTube, the Super Chat, thank you, said, AD continues to state he wants to win Defensive Player of the Year, and if he wants it, then he shifts to the five. He's then credited for the team's success yep. on defense like Rudy Gobert. I think there is some truth to that. People tend to look at the center as more of a defensive anchor. And let me tell you, you know, we focus so much. I think, Matt, you and I talked about this at Summer League in Vegas. We focus so much on does the guy block shots? Does he rebound? What does he do to protect the paint? Yeah. All those sorts of things as, as defense, right? Uh, how does he handle pick and roll situations? That's all true. It's also a big piece to the five in particular is communication. Everybody's got to communicate, but the center in particular, because you're kind of that last line, you can see everybody in front of you. You can see the entire floor more often than everybody else can. And so it's the center's job to communicate quite a bit uh, with everybody else and let them know what's going on, to call things out. It's kind of like if you're a soccer player, the goalkeeper in soccer, they see the whole field. So they're the ones that should be talking 
the most out there, uh, at least in terms of organizing everybody defensively. So that's the other piece to this, where Anthony Davis has got to be an excellent communicator if he's going to log that many minutes at the center position. Yeah, uh, you know, since we've been talking about fantasy football, it's kind of like that Mike Landbacker, right? The ones that's seen the mm-hmm. plays develop and calling out, you know, things and where players need to go. That's Anthony Davis's job when he's at center, really, is to, you know, like you said, sees the whole floor, sees the play develop in front of him, has to tell guys where to be, where to go, what positions to be in, etc. So I think, you know, there is something to be said about Anthony Davis playing more five, um, increasing his odds of winning defensive player of the year. Because let's face it, when he's playing four and he's getting dragged out to the perimeter, he doesn't have as much visibility on stuff. He doesn't have, you know, the same impact because he's not next mm-hmm. to the rim nearly True. as often. So, you know, that's partially why, you know, centers get so credited with the defense because they're the ones that are there in the paint. Because, you know, the first rule of any defense is to stop shots in the paint or at the rim. Uh, if Anthony Davis is able to affect more of those shots, more than likely than not, he has a better case for defensive player of the year rather than, you know, contesting shots out like beyond. The you know, that's a line. good point that I, I hadn't really considered that. And it's kind of the Alex Caruso effect where we had to spend a lot of time explaining to people what makes Alex Caruso so effective because you see his box score and you're like, eh, whatever. Why does why does he matter? He's he's not really producing any stats. If you watched his rotations off the ball. He was really, really good, and in terms of his on-ball defense on the perimeter, he made the right read most of the time, but that's all stuff that doesn't show up in the stat sheet. He's not the guy getting the the block coming in, whereas your center is going to be that guy making the play at the rim that everybody's going to notice. Making the perfect switch out on the perimeter when there's there's, uh, action going on on the opposite side of the court and things like that, that kind of stuff is easy to overlook. Being that last line of defense is not. Yeah, exactly. It's what I like to call, you know, loud yes. plays at the rim. Like when you block a shot, right? Um, everyone sees it. It's a stat. You record it. Um, that's forever there. But, you know, in order to, you know, make an impact on the perimeter, it's like you said, you got to like, you know, you got to make timely switches. You got to make rotations, et cetera, stuff that doesn't show up. So when Anthony Davis isn't playing five, when he's out four and he's doing those kinds of things, he's probably doing really well at it. It's just that, you know, voters and other casual fans aren't noticing that kind of stuff. And therefore, he's not getting the credit that he's due for you know playing defense uh kevin del rosario from youtube said how comfortable do you feel with westbrook making late game decisions deep in the playoffs or even taking open shots uh pretty yeah it's a good question uh taking shots so i mean as long as they're open shots i'm fine with it i know most of the time his default is going to be aggressive right that he's going to be working to get to the rim but he's also a really good passer so particularly in the regular season, I don't have a problem with it. I think come playoff time, those will be LeBron's decisions to make. But playoff, exactly. but regular season, that's I have no problem with Westbrook being the guy that's initiating the offense, setting things up. Um, we'll see what it looks like. There is, you know, there is some reason to worry. He's not a great shooter or anything like that, and sometimes that can bog things down. He can be a bit turnover prone, but again, he's also a tremendous creator. So I'm okay with it, I, and I think it's something that you live with especially during the regular season yeah i'm in the same boat come regular season i think there'll be good reps for westbrook because he's gonna have to learn how to play without the ball more since he's next to like lebron james and anthony davis that's just inevitable um i think those are going to be good reps for him throughout the regular season when you know the lakers are you know up or down by one or two points and it's like a minute left you know how does Russ react in those situations? What does he do? Um, I'm sure there are going to be some frustrating moments that are going to lead to some, you know, very colorful post-game mm-hmm. shows. But I think, you know, come the playoffs, 
I, I think at the end of the day, it's always going to be LeBron James making those decisions because he's the best decision maker in the game. I think Russell Westbrook is going to have to cede that control over to him. I don't know if that's going to happen every single time, but I mean, I just can't imagine that when the stakes are that high, that LeBron isn't making decisions because he's really the guy you trust in those moments. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and he's earned that over a long career. It's going to be starting season 19. Unbelievable. Uh, oh, man, people are taking the, the McClippers thing even farther. Now we've got somebody in the chat mentioning a quarter bomber with cheese and a, and a, and a side of <laughs> fries. I love it. Got a, got whole, a whole menu. menu, the McClippers. Oh, goodness. Yes. You guys are the best. Yes, yes. Uh, somebody said, Marquise Wilkes from YouTube said, what about playoff Rondo? What about him? Does he does he live? It does playoff Rondo still live because if he does, he's going to help the Lakers come playoff time. Regular season Rondo, if you guys remember a couple seasons ago, it's not that great. It wasn't. Um, but he was great in the playoffs, and so that's it. That's that's what you're looking for from Rondo. I don't even think that Rondo plays on a night-to-night basis this year. I think it's going to be more uh, matchup-driven. It's going to be more, you know, who's resting, things like that. But then come playoff time, I think he's a guy that you can turn to. That's exactly where I land on that. There's just so many. We've talked about the backcourt glut with the Lakers already. Uh, I actually, um, and you know, I caught this after the live show, but I actually forgot to bring up Rondo when I was talking about all the guards the Lakers had. (laughs) Um, So I think throughout the regular season, I think that'll be time for Kendrick Nunn and Malik Monk to really get their minutes. Uh, But come playoff time, Rondo is a proven vet with two titles now, one of them with the Lakers. Uh, It's for the same head coach and, you know, for the most part, the same players. So I think Rondo is going to get burned there. Um, when Russell Westbrook and isn't really, you know, playmaking super well, you can insert Rondo and there you go. You've got your playmaker and organizer on the floor, your secondary coach. But I kind of see him in the Jared Dudley role more throughout the regular season, you know, kind of riding the bench, mentoring the young guys, keeping the locker room together. Um, that's how I really envision mm-hmm. Rondo. But I do think that we're going to get at least one playoff Rondo game next year. It's just kind of like one of those things where it's like death, taxes and playoff Rondo. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I mean, and of course, we would love to see that happen once again, because I think, you know, Rondo was a pretty big part to the Lakers winning that championship in 2020. Oh, he was, he was incredible. Uh, yeah. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, Dustin Rigsby from Facebook said, Trevor, will you be surprised if Balik Monk is our starting two guard? I think if he doesn't start, he will be key off the bench and he will provide scoring uh, that we missed last year and can create his own shot. So, yes, I would be surprised if he was the starter. And... It's because you've got so many veterans on the team that can kind of do what he does, fill that role in terms of being a two-guard that can give you some shooting out, outside. And because his defense is not good. Like, really not good. Really, really not good. And again, it can he's very young, though, so it can get better. Like Wayne Ellington, his defense is not good. It's always going to be not good, right? That, that's just, he is what he is at this point. He's a great shooter, though, makes up for it, but um, but the defense is not good. Malik Monk, yeah, he's got some issues defensively. It can improve, and if it does improve, then we can start talking about him maybe getting there into the starting lineup. On offense, the talent is there. I like his ability to shoot, his ability to get into the paint, finish at the rim. There's a lot to like about his game. Still very young. I don't think we come out of the gates with him as the starter unless his defense has somehow grown by leaps and bounds compared to what we saw most recently with the Hornets because... It's just not there. And Frank Vogel being a defense first head coach, I think that's really going to bother him. So I see him as more of an off the bench guy. But again, if young player, the defense comes along, 
and he picks things up a little bit quicker and is better at making reads. I think he has the talent to start. I just think his defensive limitations will prevent that from happening right now. Uh, cosine. Yes. All of those things. Um, we talked about it earlier. If Anthony Davis really is at the five, LeBron James and Russell Westbrook are really the only, you know, penciled in starters. So there's two spots, but see, here's the thing. We went in the direction of Wayne Ellington and Kent Bazemore right off the bat. You'd have to think that the coaching staff also looks mm-hmm. at it that way as well. Uh, unless Malik Monk has like an amazing training camp and preseason where it's like, oh, we got to get this guy into the starting lineup. I just don't see it personally. I know he's young and has the talent to start, but he just hasn't shown on a contending team like the Lakers if he's deserving of that. I think Frank Vogels want to lean on veterans who have been there and done that already versus the young upside guy who could maybe yeah. grow into that role. So while I'm super excited to see what Malik Monk does, um, I don't think I can see him starting. I think he'd be an amazing bench guy, though. So that's what I'm really looking yeah, for. Yeah, uh, Bob and Petzel from Facebook said Monk is going to surprise a lot of people this season. Yeah, make, make no mistake. We're not saying he's a bad player. I am super excited to see him out there. I'm just saying... Because of the defense, I could see him not being in the starting lineup, but I can't wait to see him out there on the floor. And I still think this is one of the steals of the offseason for the Lakers to get him on the veteran minimum. Like, this was the signing where when it went down, we went, oh, okay, cool. They're using their their mini mid-level, their taxpayer mid-level exception here on, on Malik Monk. Wait, what? The veteran minimum? They still have the taxpayer? Like, this was the wow reaction of the offseason from the Lakers' perspective in terms of, they got a major steal with this contract. Yeah, outside of the three stars, I think Malik Monk's actually the player I'm most excited to watch. Uh, mm-hmm. Just from a purely entertainment standpoint, because he can drop 30 and get hot from downtown, or he can just throw down some dunks. Like, it's going to be fun. Uh, I've got somebody asking, did Devontae Kaycock sign with the Nets? Yes, he did. He signed with the Nets. Now uh... he is looking for a two-way contract. Remember, he already spent two years on two-way contracts with the Lakers, so they couldn't bring him back that way. Um, he's undersized at six, seven. He's a center. Mostly. I mean, he doesn't have the range to really step out and be a four. We watched him at summer league, Matt. He's too talented for summer league, but he's not quite good enough to be an everyday player in the NBA. He's kind of stuck in that in-between category. Uh, he works hard. He's a fun player gets after it. I hope he has success in Brooklyn, but uh, I, I think he's going to be, at best, he's going to be a two-way contract there as well. I don't, I don't look at him as like, oh, man, he's a rotation piece for the Nets now. Right. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a good signing by the Nets, to be honest with you. Like, he's a worthy flyer. Like, he was just way too good for Summer League. Well, maybe not way too good, but you can tell that he's had any NBA experience and that, you know, he could play a, a different level of basketball than what was there. Um, you know, the conspiracy theory right now is that the Nets really just signed Devontae Kaycock so he can call out all the Lakers stuff. But, you know, that's just the that's just the Internet being the Internet. It's on a just to counter the uh, Lakers signing DeAndre Jordan, DeAndre right? Jordan. Just, just to kind of get right. back at him a little bit. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I think he's worth a flyer. Honestly, I thought the Nets have made, had a good offseason, too. Um, and, you know, Devontae Kaycock's one of those guys that, you know, can legitimately challenge for a uh, a training camp spot or not a training camp spot, but an actual roster spot. Uh, for the Nets, maybe not, but I could definitely see Kaycock being an end-of-the-bench guy for a lot of other teams yeah, in the league. Yeah, sure. I was a little surprised that Brooklyn was the landing spot, but again, right now he's probably surveying the league and just seeing, okay, who has two-way spots open right now? Like, Cam right. Oliver, right? Joel Ayayi. These are guys, Cam Oliver went undrafted. Joel Ayayi asked to not be drafted. Why? Specifically because he Crazy. saw the Lakers had roster spots, saw the Lakers needed help on the wing, and figured that looking around the league, the best possibility for him to get regular season minutes or on the full team 
would be with the Lakers. And I'm sure Cam Oliver is looking at the same thing, going, hey, they've only got Trevor Ariza, Carmelo Anthony, and LeBron on the wing, and that's really it. You can say Taylor Horton Tucker, Kent Bazemore, sure. Um, but most likely, these are the guys that the Lakers are going to be relying on on the wing, and maybe there's an opportunity for minutes there. And so that's where you get some of these guys going to specific places because they're looking not so much for, hey, this is a team where I'm going to play every single night. This is the team that's going to pick me up to the next level. Just where am I most likely to get an opportunity to show something? And I'm sure that was part of the equation for Devontae Kaycock as well. Yeah, in the words of Michael Scott, it's a win, win, <laughs> win, win, win. Yep. Uh, let's see here. I've got some people that have been mentioning, and somebody said Austin Reeves as well, Bob and Patel. Yes, Austin Reeves, similar, similar idea. My guy. Yep. He was, uh, he was solid in summer league. I liked what we saw out of him. Oh, I was psyched. He was my favorite guy outside of Tron D. Yes. Brown. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, somebody said, what about DeMarcus Cousins? So the only way that I see the Lakers going for DeMarcus Cousins is if losing Marcus all, if they turn around and say, you know what? We really need that skill set. We really need a three point shooting true center. Don't care about the foot speed. We just want somebody that's got that size can step out and shoot and can pass the ball a little bit. If that's the case that the Lakers were dead set on having a Marcus style Gasol style center and Gasol just said, you know what guys I'm done. I just want to go play in Spain. Boogie Cousins is probably the best replacement for him, but I don't feel like that's the path the Lakers are going down right now. I can't imagine they do that, um, especially since I know so the DeAndre Jordan signing, I know, you know, riled mm -hmm. some people up because they're like, why do we need a third center now? Uh, if we added a fourth one, uh, <laughs> uh, well, I, I mean, mean, I don't Kenneth know. Kenneth right? the Fareed, they they're working out Kenneth Fareed. Kenneth Fareed. Isn't that what he is? I mean, he's a Kenneth Fareed is a center, right? I, I guess. Mean, I, you're, you know what? You're right. The Lakers are zigging. <laughs> it makes too much sense. They saw, don't, don't they saw the Kings. They saw, they they saw, saw the, the Kings yeah. have all the centers. They've got like six centers on their roster, and the Lakers went, oh, we can do that. We, we can do that. Hold my beer. We can do that. Hold my beer. Yep. Uh, let's see here. Ethan's juice said, what are you guys talking about? They work out Fareed. Yeah, they, that's what's what's going to happen. They're going to be working out Kenneth Fareed. Uh, he can shoot threes, we think, maybe. Um, I really think that's what it all hinges on with Fareed. I don't, I still, even if he shoots the three, though, I don't know if I see the fit for him with the Lakers. And I wasn't that impressed with him in Summer League. But if he can really shoot the three at a decent clip, I think that gives him a much, much better shot of making it. I'm just not convinced that's the case just yet. You know, now that I really think about this, if the Lakers were just that concerned about a shooting big, wouldn't you have just kept Marquise? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's true. I mean, maybe, maybe there was more behind the scenes. Maybe Keith didn't like his role or playing for the Lakers anymore. And that's why he left. But if he actually did want to return, um, he could provide basically what we're hoping Kenneth Reed maybe can sort of do, but he'd be better at it. So, and basically for the same amount of money too. So I think, you know, if the Lakers really did care about that particular skill set and player, they would have just kept key, but that maybe that's just me speculating. No, I think, you're, I think you're right in that. And it could be at the, at the time that they decided to part ways with him where they couldn't give him a definite answer because they were looking at somebody else. And then maybe that fell through sure. like things, 
happen in, in free agency where it's not always like, hey, we have both guys wanting to play for us and we're going to say no to this one and yes to this one or something because there is a time crunch here too. Um, sure. I've got some people asking what happened to Mac McClung. So Mac McClung is on an Exhibit 10 contract just like Chondi Brown, just like Cam Oliver. That means he's most likely going to get funneled to the South Bay Lakers. You will see him at training camp. He'll be there, and you will see him probably play a little bit in the preseason. Usually the Lakers will get those guys off the bench a bit, let him play some minutes, and mm-hmm. then he'll get cut, and he'll go down to the South Bay Lakers for G League play and try to kind of work his way back up from there. So that's he's still involved. He's still part of the, the organization, but just don't expect him to make the full roster. Yeah, in the pipeline mm-hmm. development guy, you know, me and Trevor aren't super high on him just because of the size. But as a player, he's fun to watch. He's exciting. I think he's definitely worth a look. Who knows? You know, maybe South Bay Lakers can work their magic and he turns into something down the line. But for now, he's definitely going to be a G League level player. But you'll be able to see him with the yep. South Bay Lakers. So you that's know, good. the South Bay Lakers, it's, um, it's a very different style of basketball when you watch G League games. But it's but it's fun oh, yeah. too though it's fun I think and I'm gonna try to make it a point to check out some South Bay Lakers games this year because there's so many guys Same. where I'm like you know what in a year in two years that guy could make his way up could earn his way up and every single year the G League is getting closer and closer to being a true farm system for the NBA. It really is. You know, I like the model that they're going in, the direction that they're going in. Now that, you know, they're allowing college players to sign, or not college players, but high school players to sign right out of a high school and go that route, like how we saw with Jalen Green um, and Jonathan Kuminga. I think the G League, you know, talent pool is going to be a lot better in the next couple of years. And so for teams like South Bay, they could get some, you know, some hidden gems in the next few years that are going to be worth watching. So I, I'm I'm right there with you. You know, obviously I'm going to be watching because my dude Chandi Brown's there. But, you know, I'm ex- I'm interested to see how Ayayi looks playing next to, you know, competition that I think he's more familiar with. Austin Reeves, Mac McClung, etc. So I'm definitely going to be catching some games. This yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's going to be something that's worth checking out. And it always is. They always put on a good product. But in particular, I think this season's going to be a lot of fun. Um. All right, some people saying, I've got Mark Brand from YouTube saying, y'all mentioned Ennis like he's the 2004 Ron Artest. Just say you think he's the best best wing available. I think that's actually a good point, that's right? True. Like, we are so focused on James Ennis. You have to get James Ennis. That doesn't, and I've mentioned this before, that doesn't mean he's going to be an all-star. It doesn't mean he's even going to be a starter. It doesn't mean we expect him to get regular minutes. His skill set and his physical profile best fits what the Lakers roster needs right now, in my opinion. Okay. But that doesn't mean that he's a top two. Look, every team in the NBA wants wings right now. They are all looking for wing players. If James Ennis was really, really good, he'd be on a team already. Somebody would have given him a contract. Somebody would have given him part of the mid-level exception or something to that effect. Now I do think he's good enough to be on a team. I don't think he should be sitting out there in free agency right now, but if the Lakers sign him, don't just Say, oh, check that box off, box off, championship, here we come now. No, he's a good player. He can fill a role, potentially. But, again, he's still out there right now for a reason. It's not a home run. He would be, in my mind, it would be a single, not a home run, if the Lakers were to sign him. I mean, yeah, it could even just be considered a walk <laughs> there you go. to get on base. <laughs> there you go. That might be <laughs> yeah. even a better way to go. No, and I'm glad we're... 
Yeah, and I'm glad we're talking about this because you're right. Like, we have been, like, hyping him up for the past couple weeks now, uh, thinking, you know, if we get James Ennis, oh, the Lakers are stacked. It's not really that. I think for me personally, and I think this is true for Mm -hmm. you too, Trevor, it's more about the process and the team building and winning on the margins when it comes to the Lakers because when you've got a team like the Brooklyn Nets that are out there that, you know, are basically your co-favorite, any single small advantage you can get, uh, you take it. And, you know, if this increases your your championship odds by like, you know, 0.5% even, you take it. Um, that's kind of what it is. Like the the margins for error here are, are pretty razor thin when it comes to the Lakers. And so, you know, getting those walks and singles, like we're saying, go a long way down the line. And, you know, that's kind of how I view James Ennis. Like, I don't think he's like this home run player. He's not going to play mm-hmm. major minutes, like you said. He might not see the floor, you know, basically throughout the entire year. But, you know, just having something like that in your back pocket, breaking case of emergency, we know what this guy can do a little bit already. Um, you know, that kind of guy is useful, especially as your 14th roster spot where there's no risk involved and the money is not tight. Um, that, that'd be a good win for the Lakers, a small win, but it'd be a win nonetheless. And for people like me who are Long Beach State alumni, just like James Ennis, I would love to see him in a Lakers jersey. So that's my that's my uh, that's my selfish no, spiel. No for bias that too. there. No bias there. <laughs> None. All right. Let's see. Let's do one more, and then we'll uh, we'll probably call it an evening here. Um, I've got people asking: Can THT slide into the starting lineup? And I think Taylor Horton Tucker. If you look at a few things, right. Talent-wise, talent, Horton Tucker, uh, he's up there. He's up there. His his ceiling is higher than a lot of guys on this team. Out of the non-star level players, you could argue that he has the highest ceiling of anybody on this team if everything clicks, sure. right? His defensive game, his outside shooting, those things, things click. You combine that with the things he already does well. Yeah, his ceiling is way up there. I don't see him starting, and it's not necessarily because I don't think he has the talent for it, because I think he does, and the Lakers have paid him to be an impact player. They didn't pay him like an end of the bench guy. They paid him like a guy they're expecting to make an impact this season. However, I think there's a little bit of skill set duplication with him and Russell Westbrook. Not that they're the same player by any means, but they're both very good at putting pressure on the rim. So staggering their minutes, I feel like makes a little bit more sense um, than playing them at the same time. Now it's possible that THT looked the trajectory he was on. It's possible that he's just improved so much in the offseason that the Lakers are like, we can't keep this guy off the floor. And you have to put him in the starting lineup. Like, I wouldn't say that's likely, but it's within the realm of possibility that that's where we find ourselves at the start of the season. I think more likely, though, we see him coming off the bench, if only because of that particular skill that he has and Westbrook has in terms of putting pressure on the front of the rim by driving to the basket. Yeah, I'll say this. With those reports that Anthony Davis may be sliding to the five more full time, then I can yes. see, you know, maybe more of an opportunity for Taylor Horton Tucker to come in. Because, you know, I'm going to put this idea out there right now. Uh, it wouldn't be like, wouldn't it be kind of an interesting look to have Taylor Horton Tucker at the three? Yes. And then put a traditional two like Wayne Ellington there. Um, at least you kind of alleviate some of the spacing issues. And we're kind of projecting that THT will shoot better from the three-point line this year. So maybe you can get away with it that way. So like you said, it's definitely within the realm of possibilities. But I do like him coming off the bench more as a kind of like a change of pace guy. Since we're talking more football, like your change of pace third down back that can catch passes. That's kind of how I see THT. Russell Westbrook is the early down guy taking all the reps. And then you've got your third down back in THT to change it up a little bit. I kind of like it that way. Um, and, you know, you do get rid of that duplication skill set of getting to the rim. Um, 
so yeah, I can see THC starting, you know, if things break right for him, especially in preseason where, you know, he's he's shooting, you know, super well from beyond the arc. He can hold his own against twos and threes defensively. Then at that point, you start to have that discussion of, oh, mm-hmm. maybe we got to just start this guy. But I think more than likely than not, you just see him coming off the bench. But he's going to definitely be the sixth man in my mind. That for sure. change of pace running back that you just mentioned, that just triggered this just gut gross feeling for me because all I could think of was J.D. McKissick vulturing that touchdown from Antonio <laughs> Gibson last night. Come on. What are we doing here, Washington? I know it was third down, but still, if you're going to run, oh, put man. in Antonio Gibson. But I do agree with you. I think that that he does make sense as that kind of change of pace guy that you can bring in off the bench. And I'm excited. I've said for a while now, THT is the guy I am most looking forward to seeing. Like, I, I know I'm excited about Russ, right? And, and Monk, he's a bit of a question mark too, so I can't wait to see what he offers. But I think THT has the combination of both things where so much of what he already does is exciting and then he's got so much potential for growth. Like it, we could see a very different THT than the one that we saw at the end of this season. And so that's why I'm so curious to see what he looks like. He's the guy that I am most excited to see uh, come preseason. But in any event, Matt, I think this was a nice way to spend a Friday night talking a little Lakers basketball, getting ready for the weekend. We'll be back. We'll do this again on Tuesday. Remember, we're going Tuesdays and Fridays right now for the next few weeks. And then... Uh, once the preseason starts up, we'll convert back to being a post-game show where we'll be breaking down everything that happens as soon as the game ends right here on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Matt, thanks so much for joining me and spending some time here on a Friday night. Don't forget to set your fantasy lineups. Oh, no, trust me. All eight of them have been set, <laughs> Trevor. So I'm I'm good. Um, and by the way, you know, to your point, we only got to do... We only have that's two right. more Saturdays until we're we're talking actual Lakers basketball. So that's going to be super fun. I'm excited. Obviously, you know, we got to wait a little bit longer, but we're going to start getting the media day sound mm-hmm. bites and all the quotes from the players. And then we'll start talking about training camp. Like, oh, I'm, I'm so excited to talk about Lakers basketball again. I, I really just can't. Somebody wait. said Tuesdays and Fridays at what time? I know we went a little bit earlier than usually. Typically, we shoot for about eight o'clock Pacific time, but tonight, we wanted to get this in a little bit early. I've got a couple other things that I'm working on this evening. And so we went and did the show a little bit early. Apologies. I know that was out of our normal time slot, but we decided that um, we'd get this rolling anyway. We wanted to make sure Trevor got his Friday night um, after the show to celebrate and, you know, do yes, all the things. Let me tell you, so. I, I'm definitely going to go have a wild and crazy Friday night because that is what you do when you have a five-year-old. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, sure. That's exactly right. We wanted to make sure Trevor can go home and relax and, you know, you know, take take a load off, man. You've been working hard. You know, you got you got to rest. We have a long, long season ahead of us. That's right. We do. I'm going to get ready for it. I'm going to be prepared for the season. I'll be well rested and ready to go. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Appreciate the laughs, too, with all the McClippers stuff. Good stuff from all of you out there. Don't forget, subscribe to the LakersNation.com YouTube channel. We'd certainly appreciate it. Until next time, stay safe and see you.